standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. Episode 456. That's 456. Yes. Coming out on July the 18th. It is a Tuesday. That means it's time for a Texit Tuesday. That's right. They never really went away. We just took a brief pause. Because look, if you said all you need to say, you need to take a break. <laughs> so, uh, for my friends out there in the TNM, hey, look, I've got the uh, I got the pledge, right? I got the uh, question is, why would you not support the pledge? And for those of you that uh, aren't sure what this means, it means, hey, uh, we're putting forth an idea that people ought to be able to vote and be heard on Texas independence. This should be an easy sell, right? This should not be a challenge to the general public. Do you want to vote on whether or not we should look for independence or not? We've talked about this many, many times on this podcast. The whole idea that, you know, there's this thing called popular sovereignty, right? And if you believe in that, if you believe that people have the right to choose their representation, then they ought to have a say on this as well. Now, we're going to put in a, a brief pin in that. We're going to pause, if you will, and we're going to pivot, See, I'm a long-term member of the Republican Party. Uh, I have mixed feelings about many of the things my party does, and certainly the leadership of my party, especially at the state level, has been less than exciting. But I got to tell you, I'm blessed. I live in Collin County. We have good leadership. I would probably at this point consider myself, if not in leadership, adjacent to leadership. And I'm quite comfortable with what we're doing. And I got to be honest... These guys are even a little nervous on the whole concept of signing on to this. Now, they don't oppose it. They don't get in the way. They're not proving to be difficult. They're just a little reticent to get involved. And I understand, look, you're in leadership of the party, especially, you know, the state legislature is pretty much openly hostile towards this idea, which is really kind of weird until you look at a couple of factors. We'll get to those in a moment. So when you're dealing with a party that says they value independence, they say they value sovereignty, they say they value small and limited government, they say they represent the will of the people. I mean, the Democrats used to be able to sell that song and dance about 50 years ago, but nobody's believing them anymore. I'm afraid, I'm afraid we're getting to the point that my own party is going to have alienated enough people, pushed away enough people, that they are not going to be able to sell that any longer. Okay, so for example, the redder the state on paper, the more rhino-ish or the more moderate or the weaker the representation is at the state level. Because the state representatives, they all choose to run as Republicans rather than run as Democrats because they know they can't win. I mean, we see that in Texas. We see that in Idaho. There's a few other states out there that the people are overwhelmingly Republican, overwhelmingly conservative. And these guys show up every two, four years, and they say they're one thing, then they promptly go to their state capitals and do another. Now, my frustration with that is, at this point, the general voter checks out. Well, I've done my part. I sent a good Republican down to represent me in the state legislature. I trust they're going to do the right thing. But they don't. 
oh so often they don't in fact they ignore the will of the people they they ignore the feedback now the flip side of this is the state legislature the individuals there will often say but i don't represent only the republican party i don't represent only conservatives that is also a valid point I got to be honest, we're the ones that got you elected. You kind of do work for us, but I can see your point that we're not the only ones in the state. We're not the only ones in the party. I get it. And there's the the old mantra, right? 30% are right wing, 25, 30% are left wing, and the, everything else is the middle, right? 40% makes up the middle. It's a mushy middle. It's a non-defined, ever-evolving and changing middle. So I can understand why you wouldn't want to be all in on something that could potentially be problematic. I can get it. But that also makes for a whole lot of squishes. Now, look, I believe, and I've said this many, many times, I believe there is such a thing as a principled moderate. Somebody that actually has defined beliefs and they're just different than mine or yours might be. They're not as convicted that freedom or liberty is an ultimate goal. They're not as convicted that, uh, <clears throat> or their convictions, I should say, are not such that um, government should be out of your lives. Okay, I understand that. They they may see uh, more expansive than the limited role I see, but of course, they're not full-on socialists. They're not progressives. My, my fear is, is often these guys would rather compromise with all the mushy moderates that tilt Democrat or progressive than they would work with us. And again, this comes down to the idea that we make them uncomfortable. We, uh, we put them in a position where we make them believe we don't want them around. We don't need their help and they're unwelcome. Well, that's on us. It really is. Now the, the people that we've elected in the state legislature, they know better. They're playing the system. They're playing us. They're going to do just enough to convince us they're not bad guys so that we feel morally obligated to vote for them again for re-election. And they're going to raise enough money that they can't be possibly challenged in a primary. So then, when you factor all that in, that explains why you have the higher proportion of the moderate Republicans showing up in a heavily Republican state. Because they know they can't win as Democrats, so they pretend to be Republicans and we go along with the charade. The problem is if we start purging them, right? If we, we start kicking them out of the party and we chase off all the moderates, we can't win. And we're no longer a dominant party in our state. So it's a lose-lose for us. Or is it? So I've talked to more than a couple of people that are either elected or in leadership about Texas. And most of them say something along the lines of, yeah, that's good in theory, but, or, well, I would, I would not, I don't think we're ready for that now. Or, um, yeah, that'd be nice, but I just don't, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. That's fine. I, I can accept those answers. I, I'm, I'm not enthusiastic about them, but I accept them. I mean, that means they're at least open. They're not hostile. Uh, no reason to get in a fight with them or to, quite frankly, push them away. So then we get to the Texas First Pledge. Those folks over at TNM have created the Texas First Pledge, and I happen to have a copy. And the Texas First 
pledge asks for two things from elected officials. Put the interests of Texans first. Now, I would be... I would be more inclined to say Texians, but that's just me. I am not TNM. I don't speak on their behalf. This is just little old me. And I don't understand why there's such pushback on this. You are a representative or a state senator for the state of Texas, elected by Texians and Tejanos to represent us. Why in the world shouldn't Texas come first? Why is this such a challenge? Why are we deferring to the feds why are we deferring to mexico why are we deferring to louisiana or new mexico not to say that we should be hostile but their questions their concerns should come second to what we in texas want now the second part of this pledge is they would support a vote to ask the question should texas reassert its status as an independent nation now what i find interesting is a lot of the folks from the from what I understand, a lot of folks that are in uh, elected office don't want to touch that. Now with a ten foot pole, uh, for various reasons, uh, most of them are what I would call weak sauce. But the interesting thing is about that is they're not being asked to say whether or not they support it. They're not being asked whether or not they think it's a good idea. They're merely being said told, "We want you to allow a vote." Now, if this is really some crackpot, crazy, lunatic idea, which is what I've heard, then that means when it goes to a vote, we're going to get 12% or less, right? Maybe 5%. So you're getting to 5% of the positive vote. Well, that, you know, that puts an end to it right then and there. And they can all wander around and crow about how right they were and see, we told you this was a bad idea and you should never ask for this. Now, there's some in the Republican Party that are concerned that it'll make the party look bad. Well, no, look, we're, we're, we're giving the people an opportunity to speak on this very important issue. I mean, they routinely dump things as ballot questions and constitutional amendments that they refuse to take hold of by themselves. They do that first, and then they can come in after the fact and say, well, we were all for it in the first place. But I really think what the problem is, and the real question is, is whether or not I'm right. I think they're fearful that it's going to be north of 45%. Maybe it's 50, maybe it's 51, maybe it's 60% that actually support having the question on the ballot. Hmm? Or worse yet, the, the question actually shows up on the ballot and that's the actual turnout that says, yeah, we, we should look at it, our status as an independent nation. We, we, uh, we're really concerned about what's going on in D.C. We're not happy with what Mexico is doing to us and, by and large, the rest of Central America, which is basically acting as a conduit for drug cartels to dump a bunch of uh, slaves up here. Oh, I mean human trafficking victims. Uh, not to mention, there are a whole lot of suspicious individuals coming from parts that are not Mexico or Central America that are coming in along with these hordes of people that the federal government is then transporting all over our country. That should be very concerning. And a free and independent Texas wouldn't tolerate that. Now, I know, I know, there's a lot of people that have fear and questions on how this plays out, how this works out. Well, you know what? Let's first answer the first question. Is there interest? 
And is there a significant interest into actually looking into how do we get independence and what does that look like once we become independent? I would say to you right now, the Texas state constitution likely would stand on its own with very few tweaks for a constitution for an independent nation. So that really doesn't require any major overhaul. A little editing and we're done. I know there's a lot of people that are fearful that the state government and the corresponding county and city and school districts would all be absolved or dissolved, dissolved in their existence. Again, I don't see why that's necessary. Quite frankly, if it becomes an independent nation, it's very likely that it could self-divide, that it could, and by self-divide, I mean into states with an entity within itself. There are north of 33 million people in Texas. Do you really think that 30 people and 100 people, I'm sorry, 150 people can adequately represent 33 million people? I don't. But but again, let's just let's just say we're going to we're going to put a pin in that. It doesn't really matter. We can follow it later. We want to find out whether or not there's enough support to actually look at the question. So when these people out there, they say, well, you know, I'm, I don't think we're ready for it or I just not in support of that. It's, it's mostly based on fear. In my opinion, my question is at this point, when is the fear of what the federal government's abuse and tyranny is going to supersede your fear of the unknown? So, uh, I'm going to, Use some crib notes here, right? When you understand the first principles of our founding fathers are defined in the Declaration of Independence, right? So that's that's the question back. And then the explanation is, we're the only nation with a unique creed of liberty based on self-evident truths. All men being created equal and are endowed by the creator certain unalienable rights. Now I want to pause here right now. You may have heard me reference this once before. And you may also be aware that this is dangerous territory when you base everything on a creed. But the point is, the creed was necessary and proper for establishing a new government. And once that government was done, it was built upon the consent of the governed. So it continues. And governments are instituted to protect the rights and derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's right. So the principle to create is also the right and duty to alter and abolish the government and institute a new government when those principles are routinely and repeatedly infringed or abused or disavowed or ignored or beaten into the ground, even when we, the people object. Now, understanding that this credo model here should be attractive to both sides of the aisle right? There's a whole lot of Democrats that believe in that. There's a whole lot of Republicans that believe in that. So if you believe in the proposition that this is a self-evident truth and we do have these rights, then what's your fear? What's your problem? You should be respectful and open to the idea that we, the people, should have a say on what we want to do with our government going forward. Now, I know there's a lot of people that are nervous of what might happen. I got to be honest, I am a little too. For much the same reason that I'm not overly (laughs) enthusiastic and I would say I'm actually opposed to a convention of states, 
But I'm not going to actively work against it because it is a possibility they could actually fix some things. There is a possibility they might be successful. And the last thing I want to do is be seen as an enemy. Uh, If they pull it off, I want to be in the trenches fighting with them. They're going to need all the help they can get. They're going to be assumed by a bunch of people that want to destroy our country. So there is less concern about this because this is Texas-centric. The people in Texas, by and large actually care more about Texas than anything else, as it should be. This is a throwback to colonial times where Virginians were more concerned about Virginians or Virginia and the people in Massachusetts, while they were concerned about everybody else but themselves, well, I'm sorry, everybody else, including themselves, but folks over in Pennsylvania, they cared about Pennsylvania. The people in Georgia, they cared about Georgia first and foremost. They decided they needed to come together because they were taking on the world's largest empire and the most powerful army in the world at the time. Made sense. But then shortly thereafter, we started to kowtow and allow ourselves to be manipulated by the feds. Now, interestingly enough, if you are a member of the Republican Party and you partake in any of the conventions and you are aware of what the current platform says, the current platform has two specific planks that acknowledges the will of the people and specifically asks for the state of the legislature or the state legislature to give Texans, Texians, Tejanos the opportunity to express their political will on Texas independence. Now note at no way, shape or form does that say the Republican party of Texas supports declaring independence, nor does it say the Republican Party of Texas thinks that Texas is better off on its own. It merely states that they acknowledge that we, the people, have a right to make our own self-determination on what we want to do and what our form of government should be. So as a Republican, you can oppose Texas and still support having the vote. As a, as a good Republican, you may choose to support or oppose Texas, but you ought to all support the idea of putting it to a vote. If for no other reason that we can have a year or so of very good dialogue and debate and education on this very issue. So you got to ask yourself, why does some in the hierarchy of the Republican Party, why do some of the party leadership not want us to do this? I think they're afraid. They're afraid that if people actually learn what's in the Texas Constitution, if people actually learn what the powers are reserved to we the people are, they might actually use them. Now, Section 1 of the Texas Constitution does talk about freedom and sovereignty of the state. And Section 2 does talk about the inherent political power being in the Republican form of government, which is the power being inherent in the people, we the people. And we have an inalienable right to alter, reform, and abolish said government in any way that we might find expedient. Now, seems to me that they're dragging their heels, that they're specifically opposing this. And the real question is, well, why is that? Well, I would would suggest it's the same answer that it always is. It's all about the money, all about the Benjamins. We want to keep the power and we want to keep the control. And the more power and control they'll have, the more money we get. So let me ask you, when's the last time you talked to your state representative? You shouldn't ask them whether or not they support Texas, because I'm going to tell you what, other than maybe four or five elected representatives, they don't support Texas. No, at least not openly. Some might secretly 
hope that something pulls off and they would they'd pull the trigger on it but they're not going to go out and openly advocate for it and i guess honestly at this point why would you expect that i mean we can barely get the party that is supposed to be run by the grassroots to acknowledge and do anything with this why would you expect those same moderate squish republican elected representatives and senators to do anything that might make them look bad might cause them harm interestingly enough they have no problem leaving us out in the cold as grassroots Republicans. They have no problem ignoring us when it's convenient. So I'm going to assume this is one of those convenient times that they want to choose to ignore us. Now, you Democrats out there that may at this point have been listening, wondering why I wasn't going to address you. Look, I know that your entire party leadership is only concerned about one thing. And I would say 90% of my party leadership, and by party leadership, I just mean all the elected officials that are in charge, they're only really concerned about one thing, control, money and power, which equals control. They don't give a rat's behind what you think, what you want. They they purposely defied us and keep us fighting amongst ourselves and you know create false dichotomies. I mean, Look at what's been going on in the last couple of years. I mean, if if you can't see that, I'm never going to be able to explain it to you. And, and we Republicans are only nominally better. So there is no clear, concise winner here. And I say that as a good Republican, I can still be very, very frustrated, particularly with those people that we've worked to elect to go and represent us. And they promptly don't. All right. Now. One of the other things that is also on this pledge is the idea that you should put Texas first. Well, I've already touched on that, right? So if you're going to defend liberty, protect Texas values, and preserve the Texas culture, I guess that means you ought to support, I don't know, controlling the border. Not just the border on Mexico, but the border on New Mexico. Perhaps the border on (laughs) Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, the Gulf Coast. You see where I'm going here? Look, you can say what you want about new Latinos arriving daily. I would suspect a good number of them have a whole lot more in common with Texas culture than Californians, New Yorkers, New Jerseyans. Hmm? The the folks from Illinois, particularly the Chicago area, they have nothing in common with most of Texas. Now, we have the bumps on the log, right? We got a we got an issue in Dallas, for sure. We got a major problem in Austin, <laughs> in more ways than one, and we have some questionable things going on in Houston, to say the least. But actually, San Antonio, which is really interesting, it is a blue city, but I suspect there's a whole lot of holdover Democrats down there that actually aren't cool with all the stuff that's going on, and they're, quite frankly, probably more conservative than a whole lot of those squishy Republicans on many issues, on many issues. On the economics, well, that's just a different mindset. Uh, that maybe will never change. But I, I would imagine if you talk to the average person in San Antonio or Houston, they're going to be all about putting Texas first, whether they agree on our politics or not. And really, this isn't a political issue. This is about who better to represent Texas than Texans? Who better to protect Texas than Texans? Who has a better, more involved, vested interest in Texas doing well than Texans? It, it should be self-evident. All right. Well, last thing, right? Last thing talks about the Republican form of government being a keystone to the consent of the governed. And it basically says, look, 
If you don't support Texas being an independent uh, state again, and you want us to remain tied to the federal government, okay, that's fine. But that's something that we can ship off to we the people. That's something that we should be able to consent and choose to deal with. That's something that we should have a say on. Well, I'm. that's pretty clear. That is pretty clear. And, and to continue to ignore this, to, to continue to disallow us to be heard on this, makes our state government no better than social media entities that ban or censor what we're see, saying or trying to get done. Makes them really philosophically no different than the gun grabbing, constitution trampling feds that want to step in and just mandate how we're going to live our lives. So I'm really not sure why this is such a challenge. I'm really not sure what the pushback is, but I would encourage you. You've now listened to me. You should go to tnm.me and you should look up these points. You should get these talking points and you should take the time to call your state representative, your state senator. If you're feeling particularly bold, call your statewide elected officials. Lieutenant Dan, for instance. Yeah, Lieutenant Dan. He needs to hear from us. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be a jerk. You just ask the question. Did we elect you? Do you work for us? This is something that we think is necessary and proper for the continuation of the consent of the governed. We would appreciate it immensely if you would allow. (laughs) See, you're using their words. You can't just mandate or demand this out of them because they're they're not going to do that. They're going to push back. I mean, it's the it, anytime you push on anybody, the the instinct is push back. But if you ask them, if you if you require their assent, they may very well give it. Now, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it's a way to go here because you can call and abuse and yell and be mean, and they're going to push back, and rightfully so because those that are willing to make those calls and be rude make up a small minority of the people they talk to. But the real question is, should the vote go to we the people? And if you oppose sending the vote to we the people, why? What is your concern? Make them answer those questions. Make them them define what the problem is of letting we the people have a say. Alternatively, We're stuck in the same dichotomy that we always have. We're going to have to work to primary the very people that we've elected to represent us. And I got to be honest, very rarely does it go our way. Better work with what you got than continue to fight and fight and fight and get nothing but bleed yourself out. The war of attrition is on their side. They have the money, they have the power, they have the control, and we need to work with them to get what we want. We need to show them that it's in everybody's best interest to have the vote. After that, who knows? But we'll get nothing if we don't try. We will get nothing if we don't act. We will get nothing if you don't at least talk to people about this. These these talking points directly fill in or speak to the very issues that all people should agree on. This is not that difficult of a challenge. It's, it's, it's motivated by fear. I believe that's the problem. It's motivated by fear that we the people might actually do something they don't want us to do. So that's it for the Texas Tuesday today, guys. And I, I really, really 
recommend you go over to tnm.me you go check it out you actually read and understand the talking points and what they want you to do this is just one man's opinion and understanding of what i've read and i highly encourage you to take the time and the effort because either texas is worth fighting for or you might as well just quit now texas is either worth saving or you might as well just write it off and move to illinois texas is worth preserving or you might as well just write it off like California has been written off. That's where we're at, folks. Speak now or forever hold your peace. And with that, I will see you on the other side.